From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, Dustin provides a breaking news update from the office of Congressman Zach Nunn. Riley talks with Mark White, board chair of the Agribusiness Association of Iowa Foundation, about the naming of the Northy Building. And I will wrap up my conversation with Randy Miller of the Iowa Soybean Association. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. All right, Mark, here we go on a Tuesday, the Iowa Ag Matters program. Dustin, second day in a row that we've seen a boost in the markets. Do we think things are turning maybe a little bit? I don't know. It's going to be hard to say. It was kind of cautious this morning, I know, on the overnight. There was up. Well, soybeans had a good jump, but corn and the rest of them, they were kind of just easing their way forward. And that was kind of following the lead of the stock market from what we could understand. I mean, the, the data that we got was was supportive of the marketplace yesterday, The a lot of the trade expectations, but uh, outside markets, but uh, it wasn't quite what they were expecting. And so therefore they're playing a little cautious, a few more outside economic factors are going to be coming into play throughout the week. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And those of course are macroeconomic issues. And of course, let's talk markets as we talk with Eric Ralph of Comstock with Mark Magnuson. Joined today by Eric Ralph of Comstock for our opening market discussion. Eric, what are we seeing taking place in the grains today? Well, actually seeing a little follow through on yesterday's reversal action that we saw, particularly in the corn, not up a lot, but you've got corn up a penny and a half in the break, beans up 12, and the wheat seeing a little bit of uh, enthusiasm as well, up anywhere from three to eight cents, depending on the class and contract. So nice to see some other participation other than just the corn like we saw yesterday, but that was a big time reversal yesterday and, and a lot of different areas you could point to as, as to the cause, but the timing works out well and, and it, would, it would stand to reason that maybe we've actually seen a low here for a little while. And Eric, when we think about the corn price right now and, you know, dipping below $4 there for a little bit and just where we were not too long ago, I mean, we know the reasons that the price has gone down, but it is just jarring to see that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's demoralizing. And sometimes that's what it takes to get the market moving is is to break the psyche uh, of of the traders, of the farmers especially, and and get the grain moving and you had a lot of basis contracts come due the end of this month uh to deliver against that march board or roll and and some were rolled there's no question but a lot of it once you've broken the psychology they're just going to go ahead and make the sales and then maybe try some uh some potential paper re-ownership or something along those lines and so that can often cause a low here and you know we refer to it as a john deere low spring low whatever you want to call it uh, because there is so much cash demand coming up here the first of next month. Eric, what is the situation right now with South America and kind of what the weather's looking like and what kind of progress they're making? Progress is uh, unparalleled. They've, they've been able to move at a tremendous rate, both in the soybean harvest and in the corn planting. So that safrina corn is going in extremely fast. Um, uh, there's arguments to be made both ways, but I would say the the general summary is this: Mato Grosso, for the most part, looks like it's going to have cooperative weather for at least the the well predictable forecast, and that being you know less than 10 days. And, and so you've got pretty good conditions forthcoming for Mato Grosso, which is about 45% of that safrina crop. And then the rest of the country looks a little a little more uh, dire. Uh, looks like we're going to be drier, a little hotter than normal. And, and could have a, an interesting development down there. And if you have that kind of trouble everywhere but Mato Grosso, uh, that, that can lead to a very short crop. And, and we're starting to see more on, on the soybean side, we're starting to see more of these private estimates and, and some of the bigger outfits reduce their production estimates down into the mid uh, 140s 
which we've been there for a long time and, and we saw the Brazilian Ag Ministry get down there last week and now you're seeing some others follow suit. So you've got a lot of the estimates that were in the low to mid 150s now down in the 145 to 148 range where the USDA at last report was still sitting at a 156. So there's definitely a downward revision to be made by the USDA. I think most are expecting that. And as a result, we're starting to see maybe a little turnaround in the soybeans as well. Well, we'll hear more from Eric Ralph of Comstock Investments later on in the program. But first, Andy Peterson's here. He's got his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. The 20-year population low on the Monarch Butterfly, according to Chip Taylor, the founding director of Monarch Watch at the University of Kansas. He says the drought down south has been lowering the population of monarchs that will be coming back to the United States, which is not a good sign. And that's not a good sign, but eventually, you know, this is a very resilient butterfly. It has a high reproductive rate. It will come back. I'm not worried about that. Um, what we are dealing with here is weather events. Uh, most insects are driven by weather. Uh, monarchs are no exception. You know, we have a long-term view. The long-term view has to deal with the amount of habitat we have available. So the habitat puts a cap on things over a long period of time. He says the good news is the monarch butterfly is resilient and has a high productive rate. Number two. Making progress on building poultry processing capacity within Iowa after House passage of File 2257, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag's legislation to expand small-scale poultry processing within the state. He says producers, especially those who sell directly to consumers, have long, quote, struggled to find processing options within Iowa and would have instead had to travel to, quote, neighboring states to find this service. Number one. Leading the transition to clean energy accurately with the best available science, according to Growth Energy CEO Emily Score, who says that includes using the Greek model to boost emerging sustainable aviation fuel. We have a unique opportunity to get sustainable aviation fuel into emerging markets, and it's critical that we take advantage of that. Crop-based inputs are the only viable sources of clean, renewable energy available in large enough volumes to truly decarbonize the skies. To get there, the U.S. Department of Treasury must ensure that biofuel producers can take full advantage of new tax credits in the Inflation Reduction Act. That means using the GREET model to properly reward climate-smart agriculture. Some political forces are looking to meddle with the data collected by the GREET team at Argonne National Lab solely to cut farmers out of the SAF market. That's why we're continuing to urge IRS to follow sound science when it comes to eligibility for new tax incentives. Now, she says there are several groups calling on the Biden administration to inject different assumptions into the GREET model, which would not benefit the ethanol industry and Iowa producers. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Thanks, Andy. And just to let you know, this portion of Iowa Ag Matters being brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Joining on the road to 1 million acres. Find out more at SweetwaterTechnologies.com. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at SweetwaterTechnologies.com. Coming up next on Iowa Ag Matters, some breaking news from Congressman Nunn's office. I'll have more for you next on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. 
breaking news here on Iowa Ag Matters this morning as it relates to this uh, E15 sales year-round uh, uh, allowance from EPA, which, as we've been discussing, is fantastic starting in 2025. However, what are we going to do for this year? Well, that's what the congressman is working on, isn't he, Dustin? Well, it only took the Environmental Protection Agency five or 600 days past their deadline to rule on an application of bipartisan Midwest governors led by Iowa's Kim Reynolds to let them use a provision under the Clean Air Act to allow these states to determine whether or not they have E-15 year-round availability. It was just the latest in the ongoing saga to get the fuel available at the pumps without needing a presidential waiver. However, the celebration was tempered because in true form of the Biden EPA, they're delaying the implementation. Instead of doing it this year, which would be completely feasible, they're delaying it until next year. This has again left biofuel supporters questioning why they're implementing another delay on a decision that was already two years late in being made. This has again drawn the ire of those the EPA was trying to placate with the announcement. The Iowa delegation has been fighting for years on E15 year-round, and they were not happy with this announcement. Because of this, this morning, 3rd District Iowa Congressman Zach Nunn led the Iowa delegation in penning a letter to the EPA and the administration to make the appropriate changes and begin implementing their EPA E15 decision as early as March of this year. Congressman Nunn told me this morning that American farmers and consumers have waited long enough for these changes, and that the availability of cheaper options like E15 gives consumers an option at the pump, and that these options are essential when they are facing higher costs for everything from fuel to food. Nunn iterated that the Biden administration's economic policies have the American people in this predicament and that this delay just is going to pile on those issues. Nunn said that this decision just shows that the administration is putting farmers last on their list of priorities. In the text of the letter, Nunn opened up by thanking the EPA, though, for finalizing the rule as requested, but that they remain concerned about the implementation taking too long. They said that now a year and a half after the statutory deadline, EPA has finally made its rule known and that they are bucking the Biden administration's suggestion of an implementation date at the end of April of this year. They said each day farmers provide access to homegrown fuel that's good for the environment, America, and national security, and that nearly every other row of corn in Iowa is used to create biofuels and reduce gas emissions, or greenhouse gas emissions, rather, by roughly 50%. The biofuels industry supports 57,000 jobs in the state and reduces prices at the pump while contributing $7.2 billion to Iowa's GDP. They said this delay in the permanent year-round E15 sales punishes American families who have already faced economic damage. And they are asking, as a congressional delegation, for EPA to change their mind and implement this decision by the end of March of this year. You can find the full text of the letter up on our website at iowaagnet.com. For Iowa Ag Matters, I'm Dustin Huffman. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. 
We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, we look forward to hearing what uh, Congressman Dunn may come up with there. Governor Reynolds has already, of course, submitted a waiver for uh, E15 sales this year, as it's definitely needed from a demand perspective, um, as we've seen in the marketplace. There is good news in the markets, as uh, uh, Eric was talking about a little bit earlier with uh, Mark. And Boy, one thing to be prepared for is a 70-plus degree temperature drop. Dustin's getting out of here just in time as he heads to Houston for a commodity classic. But yeah, tomorrow morning at this time, temperatures will be below zero and wind chills may, or uh, below freezing on the actual temp. And wind chills may actually be below zero. Quite the change is headed our direction. Talking more with Randy Miller, Iowa Soybean Association past president, in just a moment on Iowa Act Matters. It's time for a rundown of those elevator numbers here on Iowa Ag Matters for this Tuesday morning. I'm Dustin Huffman. Now the contract is starting to switch at the elevators from March to May. Some have done it all at once. Some are doing it a little at a time, and some haven't started yet at all. We're going to run down the numbers we have, though, for you. Starting at ADM Burlington, they're 23 cents under on corn at $4 even. Soybeans, 2 cents under at eleven forty-six. Cargill and Eddyville, they're a nickel over on corn. Cash bid, four thirteen. New Co-op Algona, 23 cents under on corn, $4 even. Soybeans, 60 cents under at ten ninety-seven. Ag State Sheldon, they're 15 cents over on corn, four twenty-three. Soybeans, 68 cents under at ten eighty. Ag State Elta, they are a dime under on corn at three ninety-eight. Soybeans, 62 cents under, they're at ten eighty-six. Cargill Cedar Rapids, 18 cents over on corn, they're at four twenty-six. Soybeans, a nickel under, cash bid, eleven forty-three. Nexus Co-op Marble Rock, 20 cents under on corn, 403. Soybeans, 55 cents under. They're at 1102. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, 19 cents under on corn. They're at 389. ADM Des Moines, 20 cents under on soybeans. Their cash bid, 1128. New Co-op Red Oak, 23 cents under on corn. Cash bid, $4. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1107. Mid-Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, 38 cents under on corn, 385. Soybeans, 52 cents under at 1096. New Co-op Sheraton, 38 cents under on corn, cash bid 385, soybeans 55 cents under at 11.02. Walk-on Feed Ranch, 18 cents under on corn, they're at 390, soybeans 56 cents under, cash bid 10.92. New Co-op Glidden, 23 cents under on corn, they're at $4, soybeans 55 cents under, they're at 11.02. Innovative Ag Services Farley, 27 cents under on corn, they're at 396, soybeans, they are 59 cents under with a cash bid at 10.98. Cargill and Muscatine close for the season. They'll reopen April 1st. And again, the contract bids are starting to switch from March to May. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. And that's been a check of your elevator numbers here on Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. We got more market information still to come here on Iowa Ag Matters, including a complete rundown of the midday numbers. Mark and Andy will have that for you. Also, don't forget about the free market podcast. We can get them to you through Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Podbean. All that market analysis free of charge right to your mobile device. This is Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
continue the conversation here with Randy Miller, Iowa farmer, past president of the Iowa Soybean Association, sitting down right now with our very own Mark Magnuson. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm here today at Farm Forward. It is an Iowa Soybean Association event in downtown Des Moines, and I'm with Randy Miller. He is the past president of the Iowa Soybean Association and now a board member with ISA. And Randy recently took a trip where you were on a fact-finding mission. You were there to learn a lot and find out a lot in New York. Could you tell us what your trip was surrounded around what you were there to do well it was a trip put on by clean fuels alliance of america the clean fuels is the representative for the biodiesel industry in in uh, in fuels we went out there just to see what new york was doing learn about what they've been doing and where they're headed in the future with biofuels and they've been a pretty serious adopter of biodiesel could you tell us what kind of setup we're looking at with the biodiesel in that state that's been going on for over 20 years them implementing that they want to reduce their emissions by 50 percent by 2025 so the only way to get there today quickly is biofuels that's the answer today to get to lower carbon emissions so they've embraced that completely they run b biodiesel in all of their their fleets their police fire snow snow plows uh park tractors and lawnmowers and stuff they run biodiesel in everything let's talk about some other of the uses for biofuels and specifically home heating how does that work exactly and how widespread widely adopted is that in new york there's a mandate of b20 blends for home heating oil so they're going to mandate that to be used in all the home heating oil because in the northeast most of those houses don't have the infrastructure to go to gas like natural gas or lp they're furnaces that are put in the houses there's a barrel in the basement they fill them and that's just they're kind of locked into that because of infrastructure so this is the once again the quickest the simplest way to lower your carbon scores to help the environment in those big cities is to run a b20 blend in the in their bioheat and that is then pretty popular in that city as far as just being widespread for the most part they they've adopted it the same as they have in their vehicles and they just run it and that's that's the way it is like i said the uh the mandate is to increase to 50% by 2035. So that's a that's a huge leap in gallons. Randy, where are some other areas that you've seen the expansion of that demand that has been built and has, I guess, allowed farmers here in Iowa to feel good about that, you know, seeing this expansion happen right in front of their eyes? Uh, the ports in New York and New Jersey, they, they're starting to use them in their sh- bodies on their ships and things like that for maritime so any of that use is is huge they uh biodiesel provides a 13 percent bump to the price of soybeans that's what it adds is 13 percent of the value so anytime you can increase the amount of of biofuels in a in any sort of transportation or heating um, circumstance that's where you're going to get a bump in in usage and it's going to help Randy, when you're conversing with your fellow farmers here in Iowa, do they appreciate that, the work that goes into getting these markets like New York to adopt biodiesel in so heavily? I would I would hope that they would see the value in what farmers have done with the checkoff over the last 30 years to develop a market for a product that was one time just a, uh, a byproduct and, and didn't have a value. It was sitting in tanks and we couldn't get rid of it to something that drives up to 50% of the price of a soybean. And when you think about byproducts, and we talk about it a lot, we're going to have a lot of products or a lot of uses for soybean meal here going forward. So it's kind of a 
a you can look at it and see kind of the playbook that has been laid out ahead of it ahead of time yes it's gonna it's gonna cheapen up livestock production in the united states greatly by doing this and it's going to make us more competitive on a world market for shipping meal so it's it's a win-win to me our guest here today randy miller he is with the iowa soybean association randy always good to talk to you thanks so much for the information have a great rest of the farm forward event thank you well we thank randy miller there for wrapping up that discussion with us here today andy peterson's back now with his three big iowa ag matters number three 20-year population low on the monarch butterfly, according to Chip Taylor, the founding director of Monarch Watch at the University of Kansas. He says the drought down south has been lowering the population of monarchs that will be coming back to the United States, which is not a good sign. And that's not a good sign, but eventually, you know, this is a very resilient butterfly. It has a high reproductive rate. It will come back. I'm not worried about that. Um, What we are dealing with here is weather events. Uh, Most insects are driven by weather. Uh, Monarchs are no exception. You know, we have a long-term view. The long-term view has to deal with the amount of habitat we have available. So the habitat puts a cap on things over a long period of time. He says the good news is the monarch butterfly is resilient and has a high productive rate. Number two. Making progress on building poultry processing capacity within Iowa after House passage of File 2257, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag's legislation to expand small-scale poultry processing within the state. He says producers, especially those who sell directly to consumers, have long, quote, struggled to find processing options within Iowa and would have instead had to travel to, quote, neighboring states to find this service. Number one. Leading the transition to clean energy accurately with the best available science, according to Growth Energy CEO Emily Score, who says that includes using the GREAT model to boost emerging sustainable aviation fuel. We have a unique opportunity to get sustainable aviation fuel into emerging markets, and it's critical that we take advantage of that. Crop-based inputs are the only viable sources of clean, renewable energy available in large enough volumes to truly decarbonize the skies. To get there, the U.S. Department of Treasury must ensure that biofuel producers can take full advantage of new tax credits in the Inflation Reduction Act. That means using the GREET model to properly reward climate-smart agriculture. Some political forces are looking to meddle with the data collected by the Greek team at Argonne National Lab solely to cut farmers out of the SAF market. That's why we're continuing to urge IRS to follow sound science when it comes to eligibility for new tax incentives. Now, she says there are several groups calling on the Biden administration to inject different assumptions into the Greek model, which would not benefit the ethanol industry and Iowa producers. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, the day keeps marching right along, and we're going to get a quick update here at the midday numbers, find out what's happening in those grain and livestock markets, and see if they're able to hold on to some of that strength we've been seeing in the last day or so. Andy and Mark will have more coming up on Iowa Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing for our Midday Market Discussion. John, what's taking place in the grains today? Well, we're seeing at least a little bit of buying strength in the grain markets uh, so far today. Now, we'll see if it can hold in here. It's kind of, at least for corn and soybeans, more soybeans than corn been fleeting off the highs from last night and early part of the session. You know, first, let's go to the wheat market. That's where the most strength's been the last couple of days. Obviously, watching some of the weather coming through, we got 70s and 80s going across the central plains today, and those temperatures are going to quickly drop tonight and tomorrow. So maybe you're throwing a little weather premium in that KC wheat price. That's probably helping that wheat market out a little bit there. We got to be careful. U.S. wheat is still not competitive on the global scale in terms of global prices. So maybe it's a short-lived rally. We'll have to just see how things kind of play out. I think that's helped the corn market. Plus, too, you know, we've gotten through the basis contract window for the most part. Those producers that had basis contracts had to either price or roll them. I think that put a lot of selling pressure into the corn market the last couple of days. That kind of came to an end yesterday when we reversed things higher. We are seeing a little bit of follow-through today. We do have first notice day for the March contracts for all, all the grains coming up on Thursday. So we're seeing just some end of the month movement there. You know, I see us to get a few more pennies out of this corn rally here. But again, still the markets are on the defensive overall and still trending lower. Lastly, the soybean market is a good strong move from the start of the day. We did actually pick up an export sale this morning from unknown destinations. So a combination of that, some short covering. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Mark, daily estimated cattle slaughter is where we start. The numbers, 122,000 head. That is 20,000 more than a week ago with the holiday, of course, and 1,000 less than a year ago. Box movement strong. Once again, we're back over 300 bucks on uh, choice boxes at 301.79, up $1.18. 51 loads selling there. Select just 10 loads of movement. Market $1.68 higher to 287.99, and that spread is about flat at 13.80. Off to the pork side of the equation daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 492,000 head that's 2,000 more than a week ago and uh, 11,000 more than a year ago cash market wise we wrap up yesterday's numbers here for comparison purposes barrels and gilts producers sold on a carcass basis negotiated purchase wise we finished yesterday with a strong run 7869 head of sales Market 58 cents lower, weighted average price 70.91. Formula purchases a strong run as well, 192,000 head of sales, weighted average price 78.65. That market finishing the day essentially flat. As far as what's happening today, just 2,300 head of negotiated purchases at midday, 61 cents higher on the market, $70.70. And the formula purchases about an average run of 109,000 head. Weighted average price, 78.87. Again, that market basically flat. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. At midday, March corn up two and a quarter at 409 and a quarter. March soybeans up two and a half at 1138 and a half. On the Merck, April live cattle down 25 cents at 187.85. March feeder cattle down 27 cents at 252.77. April lean hogs down 22 cents at 86 even. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson.
On we go with the market analysis here on the Iowa Ag Matters program today. Andy and Dustin and Eric Ralph from Comstock visiting with Mark Magnuson to focus on livestock. Let's switch over to the other side of the ag marketplace in the livestock complex. Are things still going strong there with the livestock, Eric? Uh, still strong overall. I would say that the uh, cattle on feed report last Friday gave us a little pause for concern uh, with regard to the feeder cattle. And you saw that reflected yesterday. I mean, at times you were over $3 lower in most of the feeder cattle contracts and then rallied back to actually posting some gains for the day before settling 50 cents to a dollar and a half lower in the feeders yesterday. Now, what happens today will be critical. This this continues to be a market where the mentality is buy the dip. And so do we see buyers just swoop in and start buying this up again, or are we gonna get a real break and get a technical correction that will probably reload uh, buyer interest if we get down a little ways here. We are starting to feel a lot more hedge pressure just from our clientele. Uh, that probably bleeds through to the rest of the marketplace as well. So the chance of a correction certainly out there. Now in the live cattle, they've held very well. Cash trade last week was was uh, extraordinarily good, especially late week. Uh, some of the late confirmed sales on Friday, even after that cattle on feed, were four and five dollars higher in the dressed and two to three dollars higher on the live basis. And so you ended up with these national averages that were actually improved because there was so little trade prior to that Friday reporting deadline. So now what do we do from here? Does the hedge pressure take over and we actually get a meaningful correction or are we gonna buy every little dip and that'll be uh, obviously something we learn over the next several sessions. Hogs continue to look good. The cash is actually closing the gap with the futures and and the hog market continues to to rally and and look very robust. Uh, The July contract now has closed above $100 for the second day in a row yesterday and maybe we could see uh, that sustained for a while yet. And so, you know, I've always said it's hard to stop a livestock bull and it doesn't matter if it's in the hogs or in the cattle, but the, the rumors around the countryside with regards to hogs, disease is a problem, PERS is prevalent. And so they're, they're not confident, uh, industry participants are not confident that the supply is going to be very robust as we move forward here. And then Eric, with the latest cattle on feed report, was there anything that really piqued your interest, caught your eye from the report as compared to the previous report, something that has changed or anything that kind of had you thinking, wow, that's interesting? Uh, absolutely. That placement number was a lot higher than I thought it would be. I honestly thought the trade was being optimistic, looking for an 88% placement number, and then we end up getting a 93. I thought it would be closer to 84 or 85. And that's just, you know, having ties to heavy feedlot country and knowing what the weather situation was during January following the holidays. So you always have that one week shutdown. And so January is always a low placement as far as volume. It's always a low placement month anyway, but month to, you know, year over year comparison when you're comparing January to January, I thought this was going to be exceptionally low. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, some big news coming up from the Agribusiness Association of Iowa Foundation in honor they're paying to their former CEO. We'll hear about that next on Iowa Ag Matters.
very fitting news here on Iowa Ag Matters as the Agribusiness Association of Iowa is going to name their building after the uh, wonderful Bill Northey. So appropriate. Riley Smith learns more now with Mark White. First, you know, before we talk about anything else, you guys are uh, naming the building, the Northey building. Tell us a little bit about that decision. Well, it, after the passing of Bill, it was readily apparent to us we need to honor him. Worked with us for 22 months. And, you know, not near long enough, it was a tragic event when he passed, but he was very passionate about the job and he's been very passionate about what he's done for agriculture his entire life. And it's not just the time he was with us, but the time he was spent as Secretary of Ag of Iowa, worked with the USDA for about two, three years, and some of the conservation work he did prior to that, plus some people maybe don't remember, he was president of the Iowa corn growers and the national corn growers at, at one time when he was still farming full-time. So so Bill was was a leader in agriculture. You know, just looking at the press release here, you're quoted as calling him a giant in agriculture. And when you have a big heart like Bill Northy did, obviously, you know, you're going to be a giant in, in whatever it is that you do. And, uh, you know, he was just so selfless. And I think we are going to see this is one of those things where this might be the beginning where we see a lot of things honoring Bill because he did, like you just said, he did reach out and have roots in so many different places, right? He did. And um, we had did a complete uh, rebuild of our building, finished it right prior to Bill coming to work for us, made it look like a brand <clears throat> brand new building. We're very conveniently located close to the Capitol and the Wallace building, high visibility area to, for agriculture to gather. And, and that's kind of what we, one of our mottos of the building, it's it's where agribusiness gathers. And it's not just our organization, but other companies and, and like businesses use our boardroom and, and whatnot. So it's a high visibility thing. And we just thought it'd be a great honor to name the building, the Northy building. Uh, Bill was just ready to embark on uh, the final fund drive drive to finish paying off the, the, the building. Uh, COVID hit about the time we were in the middle of the original fund drive and that kind of shut things down. And so we'll continue that fund drive with the, the emphasis being that we're, we're going to name that, the building the Northy Building. And Mark, you guys are also uh, establishing the uh, Northy Memorial Fund. Um, just tell us a little bit about that as well. And, uh, you know, how any memorials, uh, where they can be sent to uh, for that fund. Yes, and, and the it, it will go to the foundation. The, the Agribusiness of Iowa Foundation owns the building, and AAI rents from them. That's, that's a common uh, thing in biz, the business world. So the foundation will be the fundraising mechanism, and all these monies will go toward the building, but there'll be a special uh, – plaques on the wall that recognize all those monies that went into the fund after this time. And so our goal is to honor Bill, finish the job that he was starting, you know, as far as the fundraising and honor him. And his wife, Cindy, is all in on this. You know, we consulted with her before we we done anything. We felt an obligation to her. And she felt very honored that we wanted to do this for Bill and, and her family. 
Memorials can be sent to the AAI Foundation. The address is 900 Des Moines Street, Des Moines, Iowa, 50309. Uh, And then I can give you a phone number if someone would like to call and get more information. And the office phone number is 515-262-8323. And they can direct your call, whether that would be back to myself as board chairman. We've also got a foundation chairman that uh, works with this hand in hand also. Well, thanks to Mark White for joining us, and we're going to get right into a featured conversation now with the Iowa Corn Growers. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. Iowa Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a a negative carbon emitter, and and I managed to get to that point by a no-till, I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of Iowa Ag Matters. I'm going to be wheels up this afternoon heading to Houston for Commodity Classic. I'll be bringing you content from there throughout the rest of the week, so stay tuned here on Iowa Ag Matters and across the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Thanks, everybody here at the network, and thanks to you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.